Hang in there, idiot. Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. Holy Charlie, sound the alarms. <laughs> Nick Dunlap just became the first amateur to win on the PGA Tour since 1991. Smiley, let's take a listen. History in the desert for the first time since 1991. An amateur has won on the PGA Tour. Nick Dunlap wins the American Express. Wow. You told me the other day you were nervous out here. While enjoying it, you were nervous. What were the emotions like, especially coming down the stretch? Nothing like I've ever felt. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so cool. I, I told Sam numerous times, like, it is so cool to be out here and, and experience this as an amateur. And um, whether I had made that or missed that, and if you'd have told me that, you know, come Wednesday night, I'd have a putt to win this golf tournament, is, I, I wouldn't believe you. What was the walk like for you down 18, and how aware were you of that you only had a one-shot lead? I wasn't. Um, I, I thought I had a two-shot lead, and uh, that's kind of our line was almost right of the green. It's like just don't hit this in the water kind of. Um, but, uh, no, and, and then obviously I, I think I hit somebody, so I'm sorry whoever that was, but, um, you know, got a great break and was able to give myself a good look. You had a six-footer to win on the PGA Tour. What was the process? What was going through your mind knowing that was for something historical? I, I just, I, I got to give Hunter credit. Um, man, like, he, he just, he's, he's so calm all day. His attitude never changed, and, um, you know, just kind of kind of his last thing is, like, man, it's his inside left. Like, you made a million of these putts before. It's just another one. You told Terry and Brandel in the booth yesterday at the beginning of the week, expectations were to learn, to learn what it's like out here on the PGA Tour. What did you learn about yourself today? Everything. Um, and like I said, whether this would have been the way I was hoped for or not, I've learned so much today. And, and uh, I just <laughs> I'm so grateful to be here. To be a part of history now, an amateur winning on the PGA Tour, what did it mean to have so many people that love you fly in to see this happen? Everything. Um, just the, even the support from everybody out here, it's, it's been so cool. And, and to, to see some of the people root for me was, was really special. Nick, congratulations. It was fun to watch. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Smiley, uh, I love listening to that again. I love watching that again because I will say for my part, I was – sitting on my couch watching that six footer next to my son next to my wife and when that putt went in i stood up and punched the air i, I was you know <laughs> sick. There, was, there there the dogs went crazy it was, it was a hearty yes i i just i i can't get over just first and foremost what a cool and special moment this was for you know not only obviously nick dunlap but just so many people who are fans of the game of golf and fans of this yep. tour and you know, and that's and I'm saying this is just some random guy who has chatted with Nick via you on a podcast one time. <laughs> I, I want to hear before we get into the to the tournament itself, what this meant to you uh, as someone who watched Nick Dunlap grow up as someone who is a citizen of Birmingham, Alabama. You know, we shared the clip on social media of, of the Wolf Snake Cup, watching Nick win a Wolf Snake Cup as a 16 year old. I mean, I, I can't even imagine how cool this experience was for you and all of your friends in Birmingham. Man, it was, it was unreal. Uh, like you said, we've had Nick on the pod after he won the U.S. Amateur. 
And I mean, this just doesn't happen overnight. You know, like this isn't a surprise. This isn't something that just came out of nowhere. You know, when he was in the field for uh, Bermuda earlier this year, you asked, how do you think Nick's going to play? I was like, I think he's probably going to top 20 because why not? He's that good. And he didn't, I think he missed the cut that week. Still didn't matter. Uh, Gets out there this week and gets the job done and wins. But um, man, it's just so cool. The kid's obviously talented and, but he's a, he's a really good kid and he's worked his tail off. You know, like I think the, the talent is, is one thing, but he's, he's outworked everybody, but also he's got a head on his shoulders. That's just beyond mm. his years to me. He's, he's been a pro, uh, for gosh. I mean, it's at least three or four years in my mind, like mm-hmm. good enough to turn pro. Um, just from a talent standpoint, now was he probably ready to do what he did? Uh, just now, no. But you could see it, you know, from the U.S. Junior win to then the U.S. Amateur win, and then even this fall, like he was doing some stupid stuff this fall, um, in college golf that just, you know, it's it's just shooting these low scores and going to a place like Palm Springs. Listen. That's not the U.S. Open. We're not claiming that <laughs> this game of his is just going to translate straight into winning majors. It's a totally different golf course and experience and perfect for someone like him to come in and just go make a bunch of birdies. You know, like there's no nothing to worry about. Uh, was he perfect down the stretch? No, but it, he didn't have to be. He just had to hang in there. And um, I'll say that I'll leave you with this one thought um, just about Nick. And I didn't really know who I was cheering for today. I, I didn't know it until like the very end where I was like, okay, I want Nick Dunlap to be, to beat Christian Bizet Newt. Like I knew I wanted that to happen. But before then, when it was just Sam and Nick, uh, when it was just Sam and Nick, like on 17 or even the beginning of the day, I was like, JT wins. Awesome. If, if Dunlap wins, great. If Sam birds wins, great. Like all three of those dudes are like top of the list for me of guys I will always cheer for. So I just kind of let it play out, you know, and then JT kind of tried to hang in there and lost some shots here and there. And then it, I was like, okay, this is a Nick and Sam battle. And then randomly at the end, it was like, no, wait, it's a Nick and Sebez battle. Cause we saw what happened to Sam, but uh, it was a interesting day for me on the couch. Cause I didn't know what to think. It, it was a friends of the pod final pairing and, 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 you know, wonderful for us. Cause you know, like you said, we're rooting for all three of them. Uh, Kevin, you tried to make a little cameo pop in there for a second. I was like, buddy, we can find a different tournament for you. If you just kind of let this one play <laughs> out a little bit better. Uh, but listen, I, I, I don't want the tour to drug test Nick Dunlap. I want them to take him in for an x-ray because they're going to get the results on that back and there's going to be a hundred percent dog in that <laughs> man. I mean, Nick Dunlap has that <laughs> dog in him. I, I on this podcast, has, dude. When, when I, when I went back and, and was watching that wolf snake excerpt and that the, the thing he says after that, it's worth going back and re-listening to this podcast. Cause I thought it was awesome. Just is his perspective right after winning the USAM. And he talks about, man, I think I hate losing more than I like winning. And it it sounds weird, but there are very few athletes I feel like that are Mm -hmm. wired that way. And it's like your Kobe Bryant level of athlete, a guy that just like has to has to find a way not to lose. And so I'm just wondering, I want to kind of get into his his game and where we're projecting him going forward and all that. But just if you could just give a little insight on that mentality and like how early you saw that playing games with him in Birmingham. 
It, it's, it started uh, with our Ryder Cup matches that we have here in Birmingham. It's called the Wolf Snake Cup. We always played it out at Greystone. And Nick was a part of the first uh, series of this. He was probably 15 or 16 years old when this started. And, you know, he was going up against, you know, myself, Sepp Straka, you know, all of these players that, you know, that were not only had been very successful in college. I don't think we had any other college players at the time. I think he was... He was obviously still in high school doing this. So he's like a sophomore, junior. Everybody yeah. else is sophomore. out of college and has turned pro. And a lot of good players. I mean, go down the line. Um, you know, but he, he's been mentored by Jeff Curl. And he's, I, I give him a ton of credit in all of this. Um, Nick obviously deserves all of the credit in the world. But Jeff needs a little bit of credit in all of this because he really has taken him under his wing. And Jeff is, I think, uh, if if you don't know who Jeff is, he's he's played a professional for 20 plus years and has basically mentored Nick throughout his entire development. And he's been on the back from the for the U.S. Junior win. He's been on the back from the for the U.S. Amateur win, and really just been there every step of the way from mentoring him when he was just a kid when he shot 59 at Highlands, which humble brag. I actually shot 56 on the same golf course, the 5,900 yard golf course. Okay. I'm not, I'm not just, I'm not just telling you that, <laughs> that it can be done, but listen, it, it's a very easy golf course, but that is besides the point is that he is, he's always had, you know, someone like Jeff be able to kind of guide him. It's like, Hey, I've, I've watched so many different people, uh, whether it be pros or guys he had played with do the wrong things. And, you, to have somebody with that type of level of experience at a young age to kind of like guide you through, like, how do you get around a golf course? How do you be tougher? You know, how do you play those mind games against a player, which we saw in match play with him, dude, he, he is like his records, like 30 and two over like yeah. the last 32 matches. If that doesn't tell you anything about a, a person and a player, how they're wired just to be able to kind of have that Brooks Kepka mentality to be like, dude, you're looking at a stone wall over here. Now, today didn't look necessarily like a stone wall on his face. He looked way different than um, I, I normally see him look as far as just a confidence standpoint. Right. But still, in, even in that situation, I think a lot of people would think, man, he just looked, you know, like he was never going to lose today uh, besides that one shot he hit. And and I knew he was going to get punched in the face at some point today. And the original question you asked eventually I got to with the dog in you to be able to to all right let's take a deep breath what's the play call here on that 70 after you just hit an iron in the water just a layup hole and it's a, an intimidating tee shot but after that happens you can guide your way around that golf course and shoot easily a two three over par and to hit in the fairway hit another good shot and just kind of stacking good shots in after each other and um, eventually just hung around and that's all he had to do to then when we got to 17. Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting you mentioned the match play thing, because, again, going back and re-listening to this interview as we were leading up to this final round, there was an extended section where you talked about his match play record and what makes him so good in that format. Mm -hmm. And coming into the day, it was like the furthest thing from, you know, what we sometimes refer to as a match play scenario in these sort of final rounds. You know, he had he had a whole field of guys, you know, chasing him. He had, you know, Sam Burns, three shots behind him, JT four behind him. And so he was, you know, as we even said here, coming down the stretch, there was you know Christian Bizet now is in the mix Kevin Yu um but for his purposes and he even said it when he finished he didn't realize he was he was you know just one shot up he thought it was two coming down the stretch but for his purposes heading into 17 that was a true match play scenario with Sam Burns effectively and for for him to be the guy 
that hit the center of the green and for Sam to be the guy that missed in the water. I mean, you know, listen, I no knock on Sam. We'll talk about, you know, him later in the show, but I just thought that showed incredible composure from a guy that you're not expecting to see it from like, you know, and this is even going back a year and Davis Thompson has a ton of game. He's an incredibly talented player. And, and I guess, you know, you can look at like, you know, he's playing against John Rahm and, and the form yeah. of Rahm's life. So it's a, it's a different scenario. But there was sort of an air of inevitability about, you know, that Amex last year that, that felt a little bit different where you just knew Rahm was going to catch up and, and you knew that, that you know, Rahm was eventually mm-hmm. going to win that thing. I, I promise you watching this today, I was like, there is just something – I don't I don't know what it was about Nick, just the air of professionalism he already had. I mean, maybe it was literally the way he was dressed up where he's got you know, <laughs> Adidas clothing, tailor made hat, staff. Yeah, it didn't hat, look like know. an amateur, right? He didn't look but but just the way he carried himself, even while admitting he had he had nerves, I was just I was just blown away. It's like this this is a guy who's gonna be very legit on tour yeah. for a long, long time. Um and so to further that piece of the discussion, because you talk a lot about superpowers, guys on tour, what's their superpower? What what's what separates them? Obviously, his mentality is maybe one of his superpowers. But I'm, I'm curious, you know, what parts of his game that you see that that really stood out to you this week and you think are going to carry him forward? Because it didn't seem like he had a, a ton of distance on guys. You know, it, it didn't seem like he was behind guys, you know, off the tee. But like it, it didn't seem like anything really stood out there. Um you know, necessarily to me. So maybe there's something you're seeing there. I thought the putting early in the week yeah. was fantastic. Maybe that's that's one of them. But just curious what you think, you know, when you think of what makes Nick Dunlap elite, what what is that for you? It's it starts with his iron play. His iron mm. play is his I think is the strength of his game. And I think his the driver has been a strength for him uh probably over the last three years. The driver has become a strength. But listen, Nick has reached out to me. This is back in like 2020. He had reached out to me just like, hey, man, like I know you've been through some stuff um, with the driver and I'm just kind of reaching out Mm. about like I'm kind of going through something similar. Really just um, don't know where I'm at mentally with the driver right now. Do you have any advice? And obviously, you know, give them (laughs) for whatever. It's kind of it's kind of too addicts talking to each other it's just really (laughs) tough to give like really good information because you don't even know if you're right because you're you know i I still have the the thoughts and stuff you know i I hope i i obviously said something that that clicked because and i'm not claiming to have to give him give him the magic stuff but um listen he he's obviously that that has been it was a weakness in his game the driver um because you know i think you know three or four years ago he's still growing you know in 2020 this guy's he's six two ish six three ish he's a big guy he's grown into his body a lot of times kids are you know still evolving and growing in their body and and drivers the first thing especially with a guy with a lot of speed can get off and i think that was it for nick but over the last however many years the driver's a strength um but i would say irons and putting would be two of them like just he's dropped like he's already a pro like iron game and putting already a pro like and and an above average pro at that um the short game i would say continues like it needs it needs work um the chip shot that he had on 18 i was very like if it would ended up in that dormant stuff i would have been like oh boy yeah you know chipping across the green of that water (laughs) there's a huge break he got that ball rolled down into that overseeded grass makes that chip shot so Mm -hmm. much easier um i'm not saying he's a bad chipper i just think that's something that can continue to get better in his game. He doesn't have the um, all of the types of shots that like a Jordan or a JT would have, but um, he, he's he's very 
fine. What listen, mm-hmm. he can just continue to get better. Shoot, he's only 20 years old, mm-hmm. doesn't miss a ton of green. So he doesn't he hasn't been quite exposed uh to I guess he has been exposed to it. He's played in two US Opens already. Who am I kidding? Um <laughs> the guy's had a ton of experience, but yeah, that was a long-winded answer to get to uh used to drive it kind of bad, driving it good now, irons are great. Chipping needs work. Wedges obviously are, are great, but continue to need to be dialed and dialed in because he's a long player. And then the putter is fantastic. Putter's amazing. Uh, it, listen, I want to have the uh, I want to have the pro discussion, but before we get too far away from this, where we started the top of the show, uh, how mind blowing is it to you that we have a guy now who who could turn pro right now? But prior to this, we're saying like let's say he top fives, you know, he makes a cut, he gets a couple points in the PGA Tour U deal, and, and he continues to on this trajectory through the end of the year. How mind blowing is it that we could have two guys coming off the college ranks this year, both from Birmingham, Alabama, yeah. both getting their tour cards? Actually, let, let's make that a, a, a two <laughs> part boys question. Stand up, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Second part of the question is. Do you have a guest room I can send my son to so you can start drinking the water down there? So I very much love for him to have whatever it is that those guys are having. I mean, how wild is that? That this is sort of a hotbed for talent. Like you're acting like we haven't been. I've been telling everybody <laughs> for anybody that would that would listen for so long that just the talent in Alabama right now, it's just dumb. So cool. You know, we have these these prodigies that have come out of the Birmingham area, uh, being Gordon Sargent and Nick Dunlap and and there's a ton of other players too that have kind of laid the ground before them that are that are still on tour. And you got Robbie Shelton, Trey Molinax, Michael Johnson, Lee Hodges just recently won last year in Minnesota, uh, almost won uh, Amex another year. So there's there's plenty of talent here, great golf courses, but these two are just have. Um, I started appearing on my radar kind of right around when I turned pro, and I'm like, these guys, they could be something. Well, and and this kind of struck me, too, as I was thinking about that whole connection today. And, 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 you know, later on, I do want to talk about just the course itself and the uniqueness of this event itself, where it's just like, you know, you could have shot four or three sixty eights in a row and missed the cut. (laughs) This week. I mean, that's mind blowing. And so the reason I thought about that in the context of of Nick and Gordon was I remember Gordon being on the show and talking about his first time playing at the Masters and how there's just so much of a toolkit that you have to kind of, you know, gain Mm -hmm. and learn. And and he, you know, kind of picked up a lot of stuff by watching Jason Day and Zach Johnson. And I wonder if this was the perfect place for Nick Dunlap to do this because – it, it, it's not overly penal and you can kind of go low and he's a guy that has all the tools to do that. And, it, and it's like, mm. you know, I, it struck me as like uh, kind of to your point, he could pick up a lot of stuff in his toolkit and he will going forward. But this was like perfect for him to launch this career. He he was going to break out at some point. I was surprised he didn't break out of Bermuda, to be honest. That seemed mm. like a, a weak field, a place where I felt like he was probably one of the best 10 players there. Uh, if you had had me rank guys, I thought Nick is already that good. So yeah, uh, Palm Springs is a great place to start. And to your point about the cut, I mean, a lot of people were upset about Palm Springs and just the courses being easy. And yes, I mean, listen, there's we're about to get into a stretch of golf here pretty soon. We're we're par is going to be a good score, or sixty seven, <laughs> if, if you will, is going to be a good score. But I got to credit Monday Q info on this tweet. Uh, talking about the cut being 12 under actually it was, yeah. So if you shot 12 under, you missed the guy, the cut was, it was 13. 13. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy, uh, he said, what did you shoot? 71, 67, 66. Any doubles? Nope. No doubles. Any sixes on the card? Nope. How many birdies? Uh, one every 3.6 holes. How many bogeys? Uh, one every 18 holes. So three total. Are you not in the top 10? Nope. Right. Not the top 20. Nope. 
top 30 shakes head nope i missed the cut this is justin saw <laughs> i was like this is chef's kiss and what a great tweet it, it's it, it is kind of wild to me and I, and this is something i wanted to kind of get into but let's just do it right now as we're talking about it, it is i i i want to pose this to you both from your personal mindset you know when you mm-hmm. played on tour and just you know the way you approach playing tournaments and then what you think maybe the average tour pro the tour pros that, that you know or, or, or you know have opinions on this type of thing might say and that is would you rather play a tournament in which the course or the setup is so difficult that you're never like really out of it as long as you yeah. don't avoid any blowups and and when i think about this I think about I was rewatching uh, the Justin Thomas interview where he's talking about that range session at 2022 a PGA Championship on Saturday night, um, which, you know, by the way, is just a shameless plug. Uh, we, we just uploaded this to our YouTube so you can go watch this thing in full. <laughs> but just him talking about him being really down on himself and bone saying, hey, look, this thing could come back to us. We just have to go out and put a solid round together. So, like, would you would you rather play in that type of tournament or a tournament like the Amex where it's like, hey, I can have a super aggressive mindset because I have to have a super aggressive mindset. I have to go out here and go low every single day. Which one of those do you prefer? And which one do you think the average tour pro would prefer? I think uh, both are to me just easy to predict the longer you're a professional. Mm. So for somebody like Nick Dunlap, uh, I thought this was probably the most difficult place to, to have a three shot lead because this golf course, you know, it's a Pete Dye design. You know, we see the scores, how low they were, but still um, there are difficult golf shots on this, on this on this course that really, you know, you got to challenge the water and really play some aggressive shots and you can't play scared Uh, knowing that there's a 10 under out on the golf course and you're trying to win a golf tournament for, you know, shoot your name at a pro like that. That's a difficult challenge. Um, and I was actually listening uh, a little off topic here and I'm sure we'll get into this in a bit, but Rory McIlroy, um, I was listening to an interview he did, um, after his win this past week in Dubai, uh, and he had mentioned, I think he was like 10 or 11 shots back, but mm-hmm. in his mind after Friday, he said, um, I still think 67, 67. So 10 under was going to have a good chance. And that is this, and that's like one of the, the biggest things you learn as a pro is, is what is going to win the golf tournament. Not, not necessarily what a good score is that day, but like being able to predict it on like Friday night, like, Hey, this is what the number is going to be. And I would say it's difficult at a place like Amex to really know what the number is going to be to win mm. because so much can happen. You know, like if Nick Dunlap goes out and shoots seven under today, I mean, nobody's catching him, right? Mm-hmm. But if he goes out and shoots even par, it's like, all right, you can go down the board here. If somebody like Xander Shoffley, who got hot, um, and if he goes and, and does it, like he could win. So th- there was That's a really lot of different different things there. Um, I, I prefer the harder golf courses because it was much easier to judge um, but much easier, easier to judge where you could pick off birdies on like what a good score was that day. Because, you know, if you, if you go make five birdies and, and no bogeys and 67 has a chance to be one of the lower scores that to me, it's easier to kind of plot your way through the leaderboard because, you know, a lot of people are making bogeys. That's really interesting. So it's like a strategy thing. It's like it, it's it's more about like it's the skill of being able to predict the number and then subsequently yeah. the ability to strategize around it. That's interesting. To, to your point on the Rory thing, this is a, a Justin Ray golf tweet um, who's fantastic and all these these cool sort of stats. So Rory was 10 shots off the lead through 36 holes this week in Dubai before coming back to win. It's mm-hmm. the largest 36 hole deficit he's overcome to win on either the DP World or PGA Tours and the largest 36 hole comeback to win in this tournament's history. I think that's super interesting in the context, and we can talk Rory later in the show, but I remember him saying this last year at the Masters where 
he got he kind of pressed a little bit too early, not realizing that, you know, I think what whatever it was was Kepka, whoever posted that that number that was, you know, nine or ten under early on. And that's where the tournament ended up with, you know, two or three more rounds ahead. I, I don't have the specifics on that, you know, exactly right, but just that it was almost for him a learning moment of like, hey, I don't need to press so much. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that that's, you know, that whole discussion is related to Rory and everything is is a really interesting one. Uh, you know, a hard, difficult, cor- you know, hard versus easy course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, just like ahead. the way, it, yeah, and just kind of the way it went today, you know, I, I think Sam Burns and JT, I think that's kind of the next topic is like we need to talk about those two guys right well can can we just pre briefly talk about is it even a conversation as to whether or not nick dunlap goes pro because because you, you texted <laughs> you, i think we you texted me a screenshot because we were exchanging texts back and forth and, and and at the time i had no clue you know like i was like okay if he wins he gets into signature events right and even, you know, uh, expecting him to, you know, have the amateur exemption to the Masters no longer be there. Well, then you see me a screenshot. If he turns pro, he earns a spot in the 2024 PGA, invite to the 2024 Masters, remains mm-hmm. in the U.S. Open, and all signature events. I don't even think it's a topic <laughs> it's not for a discussion, question, is it? Like, it's it's just he's going to do it, right? If I was walking in Amex and calling the golf, I would have gone to wherever his hotel or Airbnb was and I would got his books and I would have thrown him in the trash can. Be like, this is not even a decision, dude. Like it's if if he would have finished second, um, maybe you could have maybe. said, like, all right, you know, well, really, like all all second would have like he had to win for this to even be a discussion because second doesn't do him anything besides he was already in farmers because he was in on a sponsor's yes. invite. So there's just one very happy person right now that that is now going to get a sponsor's invite into farmers because now Nick Dunlap is in that winner's category. Yeah, I I, I wonder what uh, I saw JC well off the the 18th green with uh, the the milkshake in hand or whatever. I wonder what he said to him. Please, please stay, please stay. Nick. <laughs> no, I, I mean he's, he was definitely celebrating, but his team just got a whole lot worse. I think. Uh, <laughs> but it's a that's a price you're willing to pay. I think. And and I think you mentioned you said that you heard an interview of his, and I'm sure the sound will kind of trickle out. You know, of, of he's like he's still taking his time to think about it. Of course, he's not going to have a decision ready for you right after winning the tournament because you know you can't plan for that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I, I think it's probably fair for him to have those conversations with his coach and teammates and stuff like that. But I, if only if two I'm days, like, dude, go only two days, go only get two out days of here, to make dude. that decision. Yeah, um, I don't really know it, the, the, the biggest things to like figure out. It's like, all right, what's the caddy? It's like, how much am I making from uh, it looks like it'll be tailor made. Like, how much am I getting paid by titles to play the ball, which is the ball he's playing? Like all those yeah. things are probably uh haven't like the those conversations probably have not even come close to happening yet so i guarantee you right now uh, all the uh, the club companies that are that are involved with nick that are are scrambling right now to try to put an offer together that's like okay because you know everybody else is scrambling too um it's a it's a very tricky thing that i imagine nick might say you know what i'll turn pro we'll figure out all the contracts later because like that would be the smart thing to do is like let's right. let's let's have some time to to see what we're what what i'm going to be making from you guys but the i imagine that that would be the way to do it it's just you know like hey you've already been supporting me i'm I'm going to go with you i'm going to turn pro um and we could figure it all later but in two days you can't get the contract like dialed in perfect that would be a nightmare (laughs) good luck to that agent especially if he wins you know like if nick goes out and i i mean i say not if he wins like i mean i guess he could win farmers but if he did like holy (laughs) <laughs> Again, holy. 
The number just went up. The number just went up. <laughs> like, what, what was that? You didn't have any final numbers? Yeah, let, let's double it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I will say this on that front. You're talking about all the sponsors and stuff. Heck of a run for Adidas Golf. Uh, Ludwig Gobert <laughs> and now Nick Dunlap. Yeah. Great on time the, to be with, on with Nike going out. Like, it just oh seems my like. goodness. Yeah. yeah. How about it? Uh, l- let's let's do kind of move to 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 JT and and, and Sam. Um, but the place I want to start with JT is as an extension of the Nick conversation because it's like mm-hmm. I thought what JT did with Nick today was so so cool. Like I just really thought that you know he he kind of was. They asked him about it on, on Saturday after the round. He had that quote. Well, you you like, got to get to the tweet. I, I got some good stuff here. Well, well, I, I mean, I, I texted you. I, I, I just, you know, they're walking down the 18th fairway and, and you know, I'm like, I, you know, wonder what in the world that's like, you know, Nick's got this, this, you know, he doesn't know where the ball ended up. He doesn't know what sort of chip shot he's going to have. I mean, he, I'm sure he knows what he has green to work with, but he, but he doesn't, maybe he's seen the scoreboard at that point, realizes mm-hmm. he has to get up and down to win. And JT turns him and goes, for a spectator hit right there. <laughs> Nick is just like, I, I don't know if it caught him off guard or whatever, but I noticed that, you know, I, you know, in the moment he, he looked kind of serious. And then as he went and got over his ball, it looked like he was like laughing with his caddy. And I, I just thought that was such a, a great thing. If, if indeed it had an impact on Nick in the moment, I thought that was really cool of JT to kind of like mm-hmm. lighten the mood a little bit and, and kind of get him, you know, de-stressed a little bit. And then after Nick sinks that winning putt, um, you know, he, he gave him a kind of a long hug and covered, you know, with his hat, what he was saying to him. I'm sure he said something that's private, but just, you know, it seemed like he on a day where he could have been really frustrated about a couple of shots that he would have loved to had back. Yeah. You know, the way he kind of flipped that and was just such a, a support system and encourager of Nick doing something incredible I, that will forever stick with me, you know, for JT yeah. is like that is that was awesome. And I'll kind of get to the JT and Nick stuff and I'm going to start kind of at the beginning of the day watching the coverage and JT and Nick just kind of how um, they were communicating if they were communicating at all. And I was really interested to watch JT to see if he was going to be warm and fuzzy to him. Cause like there's, there's, there's mind games you can play um, against Nick, whether it, you know, JT's warm and fuzzy at the beginning and then goes silent or just starts out the day ghost mode and just stays ghost mode the whole day. You know, Nick hasn't played golf with JT. Mm-hmm. He's also never played in a final group of the PGA Tour event. He doesn't know, like when I talk about these mind games that Nick used to play on on kids uh, in match play for the U.S. Junior and the USA. I'm like, Nick was doing these things to people. Now, JT today, he he didn't he I mean, he ghosted him the whole day. Um, he really didn't talk to him at all. It was a strategy that most would employ to a young kid because you want them to feel like they're on an island. You don't want it to feel like they have anybody they can go and talk to. And that's the way I think most of the pros would have handled it today. I, I think I would have sped up or slowed down and making sure that he felt like he was as lonely and as far removed away from being able to communicate to anybody but his caddy. And that's a that's a great strategy to have. But to your point on 18, uh, I think JT threw that out the window. I actually texted him um, about that interaction that him and Nick had talking about first spectator of it. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he said, yeah, you know, I, I was, I was going to try to keep him loose there, but yeah, the strategy was a little different the rest of the day. So, um, oh, interesting. And, okay. and then, and then he said, yeah, I was naturally pulling for him there at the end when it was obviously between, um, him and Cebes, but, 
Yeah, no, it's cool to see like the the Alabama cap come on weight. Just the yeah, uh, you know, because Nick has reached out to JT about certain things, and and JT's always great about young pros um, when they reach out to him, especially mm. somebody like like Nick uh, that obviously he's got a Alabama um, connection with. So I'm definitely going to help him as much as he possibly can, and uh, I think that was like the the pat on the on the uh, shoulder that he may have needed at the end yeah. there, just like you know. Hey, buddy, like, let's just laugh about this for a second yeah. because you're about to look at the leaderboard and you're about to realize that, did you have to get this up and down? <laughs> well, and, and that's super interesting to hear that angle of perspective on it because maybe I didn't pay close enough attention to that today. Obviously, not having played on the PGA Tour, that's something that you're tuning into because you're aware of those sort of dynamics. Um, but maybe part of that, too, is just is, you know, hey, look, you know, we kind of ice you out. We froze you out all day long. And, and you held it together and got all brought all the way down the stretch and, and kind of kept your nerves together and like props to you, man. Like, you know, I mean, for, for having kind of passed the test in a sort of way, I don't know if that resonates at all with, with, yeah. with you or, or with JT, but I, I, uh, I, uh, I just got a great sex from you. And I, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, this kind of, this kind of plays off the text. It's the text I sent was, was two Saudi guys that tell me more about Tuscaloosa. <laughs> But, you, but listen, this. Did you see John Rom uh, send a congratulatory tweet? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, here's the thing: if if Nick loses and, and finishes second, I really think that would have that would have cued in a pretty pretty large live offer pretty quickly towards Nick. Um, I think winning was the best case scenario for the PJ Tour, Tour because now it it, it assured that. everything. He didn't have to keep waiting. He had to go back to college. There was no, yeah. there's none of this time that he's got to sit around taking calls from, from, from an agent or just getting texts from Phil Mickelson and John Romp saying yeah. like, Hey man, like love, love to have you on the team Legion or whatever. John Rom's team name is that should have Legion, been El Legion Toro. Eight. T- Legion Eight, of course. <laughs> team, uh, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? That's oh, I, I'm just gonna call it Team Roman Empire the rest of the year. <laughs> what a win for the tour, dude! I just thought dude, about that. That's like, a, that's wow. really interesting. That's a really interesting angle on it because you're absolutely right. You know, and 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 by the way, you know, you're talking about all the negotiations with with you know uh clothing companies club companies all that stuff i mean yeah if he finishes second and it and it's still uh waiting on the pga tour you and this and that and they come in they're like yeah we we know you're gonna be good here's a hundred million you know i'm not saying that would be the number and 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 that would be a lot more than what they're offering a lot of established tour pros but still i mean they come in with a number you make you think and and he was think about it he was on track to get this accelerated PGA tour you thing like Gordon yeah. Sargent was, he probably would have completed it by the NCAAs or maybe this summer. I don't really know how the points worked, but he probably was five or six points away from doing he, it, which he, he would have done nine heading into the week. And he would have gotten okay, one. Nine. He would have gotten two this week for top 10? main cut top 10. Okay. So and then, then he would have been same seven away, farmers, yeah. but he would have played in one of like the masters, two or, two or three yeah. more team. It, yeah. He, he, he would have been pr- you know, if he would have gotten to play seven PGA Tour events, which he probably would, um, he would have been very close to getting that towards the end of the summer, if not um, before then. So yeah. he was on track, but man, that just think about it, guys. I mean, Live Golf is trying to, to take young talent. They're trying to poach anything that they can. I mean, but I mean, listen, if Nick, what, what's what's like put the shoe on the other foot? There's rumors about Caleb Surratt going to Live yep. Golf. Mm hmm. Caleb Surratt, let's say week one, let's say he's on a live golf team. I hate putting words um, or just, you know, assigning him to live golf. If he's not, this is all hypothetical guys. Like, cause Caleb may not even be considering this could just be a rumor by, you know, all these Twitter golf things that have, 
either <laughs> you just throw anything against the wall and it hits it hits but let's just use him as an exam example let's say he goes out and wins the first week will people care as much that he won like we just cared about nick dunlap winning i i don't you know it it's 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 an interesting question because we can only speak from our own personal seats. But I mean, I don't, I like. I it's just, not a bigger storyline to me. The Oklahoma isn't. State well, I mean, kid I, did it too, and I I I, I didn't. How many people you heard talking about at your club that the OK State kid winning? And and, may, and maybe that's a problem. I mean, I mean, I'm look. I'm trying to really be fair about this. You know, maybe you can make a lot of arguments about you know. Well, that's because it's not on you know television. You're sitting in front of you know, and, and this and that. Like, I'm telling you, man. Like this wasn't. This was a. NFL divisional round weekend, and I've yeah. not watched a snap of football today. Me I was locked into this tournament the entire day. I mean, th- you know, th- there's college basketball on. There's all sorts of stuff going on that people care about more in the world right now. And I, I, and okay, I get it. We're in the golf niche, like this is our world. But, but you know, that's not to say we watch other sports. Like we're college mm-hmm. football diehards. Like there was no chance I was flipping the TV from this tournament for a second today. And and I think that that says something. It was a compelling, entertaining product all day long. And and you just you just right now. And okay, like maybe maybe in the future, live changes and and it gets more compelling. But I think that's that's a really good point to make. It's like you just it just wouldn't get. I don't care how young you are. Like it's just not the same achievement, you know, to do it against a, a full field, yeah. a strong field this week. Um, so it's it's and and that's a really interesting thing you bring up. Of like, man, if he finishes second, <laughs> math is a little bit different. Yeah, um, Sam Sam Burns kept somebody on the tour. Oh. <laughs> very good of you sam that was i i'm sure that was uh we're gonna give you we're gonna give you an assist there uh let let's get to so we, we kind of teed up jt a little bit and i thought the day was kind of defined and, and you tell me you feel different but you know a couple of loose par five approaches and yeah that's all it was i, I just and lip outs and, and some lip outs yeah some close putts and went in and i just wonder like on jt it seems to me like i can't think of another guy on tour that has a, a more shots than JT has, you know, and, and I, and, and I just wonder on some of those, if it's like, he almost has too mm-hmm. many options and it's hard to kind of like settle into, you know, one shape or one, or one type of shot that he likes, because it's like, he's almost too talented for his own good. Sometimes does that, does that resonate at all with you? Or, or do you disagree with that notion? <laughs> it kind of reminds me of Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> just playing too many shots sometimes. I, no, I, I didn't feel that that way today. Um, yes. I mean, the two shots that he tried to play, I think the one on five, like the driver that he hit, he, it's just like beautiful high draw driver on the corner, which is, I think the most difficult tee shot on the golf course, par five, double dog leg. Um, the left side of the fairway gives you the best angle, uh, to, to go forward and two and have, be able to get to that right, right pin. And you could tell he was in between clubs and, kind of just came out of one a little bit, just mishit it, hits the bulkhead, goes in the water. And it was like, at that point, I was like, man, everything has to go right mm-hmm. today for him to win this golf tournament now, just with that golf swing that he made, which was, he's got the world left. You know, really all he needs to do is make birdie, knowing that Nick Dunlap still is 125 in. Um, it probably isn't going to make birdie, but, you know, making birdie. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, and he made the mistake on the 11th hole, which we're just going to blame Nick Saban about that one because he came in for a uh, for a call and Terry and Brandon were talking to him and and he was talking about how, you know, 
He was basically while hyping he was JT hitting. up while he's, he's hitting. He was and, then hitting. Just, yeah. and then he just Terrible snipes on in the water. I was like, oh, man. But really just those two swings and uh, um, was was all I noticed today. And and uh, also just uh, maybe just a little off too on uh, some other swings as well. But um, just not playing from the fairway as much as he was. And just really just um, not reading the greens as well today. Yeah, and, and you're chasing right from the get go. You're you're four yeah. shots back to start the day, and you know again, it's like it, it's it's maybe some of those maybe makes different decisions on some of those you know it, it approach shots on par on five. Fives. Yeah, it's just it's it was tough, if, if that swing on five goes the right way, I think it's a completely different day. That that was it was just that golf swing, and then he was playing from behind the rest of the way. But but look, if you take it back to in the last year where we started to kind of see him, you know, t twelve of the Wyndham, solo fifth of the Fortinet. You know, uh, look, I get the Ryder Cup was a team loss, but I think JT played well there for the most part. Uh, solo three at, at the Hero World Challenge and now a T3 at the Amex. I mean, for 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 me, did you mention the Ned Bank? I did not mention the Ned Bank, which yeah. I should have mentioned. The Ned Bank. I'm, I'm looking at the PGA Tour profiles so or top five there. Like for, for me, it's I am past the stage of. Uh, worrying about you know where JT's game is. It, it everything we saw this entire week, the birdie streak on Saturday. It's like it's it's a matter of just when's it going to happen this year. When's he going to get his next win, mm-hmm. and, and 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 which course sort of kind of suits him because that was you know it was it was a really strong week. So um, yeah, so I mean I, I think unless you have other thoughts on JT, then it kind of makes sense to roll over to to, to Sam. And, nah. and I mean he's going to pick one off soon. Just a matter of time. I think it. I think he wins in Phoenix. That's kind of where I think he's going to get oh, the dub. Okay, yeah. it's a good call. He, he always plays well there, and he's just you know sometimes when you just play that third week in a row, it's like where you're bang. You know, it's it's right there. I'm not sure how he's played at the Farmers to be honest. I don't. I don't really think of him in San Diego. Maybe he. I, I, really, it should fit his game great because he's such a good ball striker. But it's more the Poana greens where I like him more on the uh, overseeded Bermuda greens at, uh, mm. at, in Phoenix. And, 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 you know, at this point he's, you know, bef- prior to the, uh, prior to the update in the official world golf rankings, which we'll get soon. I mean, he's 28th right now. You expect him to hold or move up. So we're expecting to see him at the AT&T as well. You know, it's right. So it'll, it'll be, yeah. <laughs> he does, he, he won't ever have to worry about it because he's always going to get a spot, you know? Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> definitely, but I guess also that there are, I mean, we, we, we kind of have an idea on the sponsor exemptions and he's not one of them, but I guess they're assuming he's going to be top 30. I guess, listen, we've talked about the sponsors invites and for, for Pebble, we, we, we know what they are. Listen, if, if JT somehow was outside of the top 30, like Peter Malnati's getting bumped, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. JT's getting in. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very, uh, there are attachments to Peter Malnati's sponsor exemption. Um, well, fair enough. So, so we'll see him, obviously we'll see him, uh, this, this week at Tory and then at Pebble and then, uh, in Phoenix, um, for, for Sam, man, I mean, I, I, we were watching the end of this tournament and, and you know, um, my wife was like, you know, who do you think is going to win this thing? And I was like, I, it's, it's got to be Burns. Like, look, I love Nick. You know, yeah. you know, great, great guest on the pod, like all the talent in the world. But there's just no way he's going to be able to close this thing. And and then Sam did the thing that I thought Nick was going to do, you know, dumps it in the water right on 17, doubles that hole. And then again on 18, makes a double on 18. You know what? I, I, don't, I don't even know what – there's no question in there. It's just kind of a shrug. And uh, what do you make of all that, Smiley? Yeah, no, I I was thinking about the the moment when Sam Burns got onto the 17th tee and Nick Dunlap are t- and, and him are tied. And I was thinking about that shot probably an hour before then. I was mm. thinking this is 
because I, I really felt like Nick was going to plot his way. I didn't think he was going to try to take anything on crazy, like aggressive, but I thought that Sam might, um, and just kind of shut the door on the, on the event, uh, whether it was gonna be on 16, but really 17 was in my mind, elevated T shot front, right pin. Sam's a guy that his iron game is benched. It, it was, it was a, it was a total weakness last year. The approach to the green totally fell off the map. Like we don't know what happened. His iron game just disappeared out of nowhere. And he still drove it well, but he would just hit these iron shots that were either pulled left or like missed contact. And, and more often than not, the miss was short and right. And from an elevated tee with a little wind against, if you're in between clubs on a front right pin, it's kind of the worst shot for a right-hander knowing that you can't miss it anywhere. You know, the, the shot you would like to play there is something where you can hit really hard and pull it towards the middle of the green. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to hit whether it was an eight or nine iron, trying to fade it to that hole location and you just come out of one or you're a little worried. I mean, it's comparing that shot to the 17th at, at the players. You really can't compare it in, in similar conditions. I think players is a very easy shot hmm. compared to the 17th at, at Alcatraz. I think that's a more difficult shot because of the firmness of the greens and playing from elevation. Now, the ball doesn't typically curve in dry air like it does, you know, at the MX ball doesn't curve a whole lot. So really, if you just hit it solid, it should end up on the green. But the greens do get a little bouncy there. And and you see guys miss that green all the time. Um, and then I just, when he got up over it, I was like, man, he played quick too. I, I don't know if that was like a cut in from a um, going from shot to shot, but it mm-hmm. seemed like to me when they got to Sam, it was like, there was no conversation. It was just like, whoa, all right, Sam's hitting. Okay, he's not watching it. Oh, it's in the water. <laughs> it was just happened yeah. so quickly. At, and then he gets the 18T and hits that pole three wood, trying to maybe try to k- play catch up there and making mm-hmm. trying to make birdie on 18. But yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, there's a lot to be excited about with Sam Burns' game, though. I, I think to answer your question, like, your open-ended not question <laughs> about Sam Burns, which a lot to be excited about, about what I saw. And, and I think Brandon said it best. It's like, Hey, when you have a weakness, pressure is going to expose it. And, mm-hmm. and it kind of exposed it knowing that like, okay, he made a ton of great steps in the right direction the entire week where we saw some iron shots that looked like Sam Burns of old and the driving was great. And the putter was just, I mean, every time he hit a putt, didn't matter if it was from 80 feet, the ball looked like it was going to go in the hole. So um, that's no doubt a strength of his game. And and Sam, I think, will learn from that experience knowing it's like anything on the green and who's going to beat me. You know, just get me onto the green. Who's going to beat me? And that to me was the mistake was trying to bite off a little bit more than you can chew and maybe just the pressure of the golf swing just kind of you know, over the last year of what they've been trying to do and getting towards maybe just a little bit of the old kind of creeped into what he's been working on. Mm. That's interesting because I remember when he was on uh, in our, our second episode uh, that we ever did back in May, just talking about how they, they just discovered something like it, kind of midseason last year in his swing that was that was sort of a, a revelatory moment, but obviously, you know, meant that They're there was still work to do to fix it. it. Took- We're still there. They, well, they, they needed just to get away from it and, you know, mm. to be able to, to like make changes during the year is difficult. You you needed to get away from it. So the pressure's off. It's like, all right, I need to go home, shoot some low scores. Trust. I know what I'm doing. And that's what he did. He was, I mean, I, Dan Rappaport tweeted it. J, uh, I got a text from JT talking about like how J, like Sam was birding every other hole in the desert. Like he shot 60 in the Madison club pro-am and like JT had played with him a couple other times. He's like, dude, he's playing unreal. And 
you know, with, with that being said, you're like, all right, seems like Sam Burns is kind of finally getting into the Sam Burns of what we, we saw from him, uh, the year before last, uh, which was, he was just dominant, man. Like he just looked yeah. like the next dude, a guy that was no doubt going to be winning majors. And here's a guy that we're talking about right now. It's still been the Ryder cup, you know, like he, <laughs> right. He's still made the Ryder cup. He won a world golf championship. Um, so yeah. One. And I think, I think, you know, and I don't know how, you know, how you feel about this, but I think that in, in watching just the demeanor of all three guys in that final group, um, you know, we all know about JT's competitiveness, you know, we all know like, you know, the, what sort of mindset he brings. Um, and, and, and Nick, you know, we heard about that in the pod and you can kind of see that, you know, kind of play out today. Sam is a guy where I feel like you don't kind of read that on his face as much, but from all reports, you know, it, it's very much there. And, and, and it, you know, I, I've heard it a lot in tandem with, you know, the, the sort of, legendary competitiveness that Scotty Scheffler has, who's a guy who's a very kind of close friend and, and, you know, who I'm sure, you know, just as much they're playing together, you know, as partners in the president's cup and the Ryder cup are also kind of competing off the, off the course and ping pong or whatever. Um, you know, what do you, where, how do you feel like a guy like Sam Burns knowing that piece about him, you know, what impact this has on him mentally? Is he able to kind of say, Hey man, two bad holes, it is what it is. I'll move on. Or do you think this lingers at all for him on, on the mental side of things? No, I don't think it does. I think anytime you get in a situation like that, you learn from it more than anything because it just helps you be able to take yourself back. Not necessarily the shots that you hit, but more of the, what was I, what was I thinking? You know, like, mm. what did, what was my mind telling me at the time and how am I able to, you know, what feel that for the next time, knowing when I get in that situation of is it do I need to be a little bit more direct with my caddy because I said a second ago looked like he played quick okay well if that's what happened well him and his caddy next time need to be a little bit more deliberate and and speaking back and forth just to because to, a lot of times just putting it out into the atmosphere just speaking and telling your mind what to do it's like all right instead of like you know in your mind you're telling yourself all right it's a just a cut eight iron it's like, all right, what is it? It's a cut iron. Okay, where is it at? You know, where are we starting it? Where are we finishing? Let's be specific. And I would do that all the time in situations where I feel like I can handle anything, like I prepared for it, but I didn't pull it off. Why? What was I thinking? What was I doing? And I often took myself back in those situations and would replay every single thought in my mind that that came up because I could remember everything that happened in my mind. Now the golf swing happened so quickly that sometimes you, you don't really know exactly what happened. It's like, Oh, maybe I was just a little off sequences off, but most of the time something leads to a poor swing because you lose the image or you mm. lose the moment of, of like, Oh crap, you know, like I'm going a little quick. I need to hit faster. Um, you know, it, you get sped up, you know, you get that dry, dry, uh, feeling in your mouth. You feel like you, you need to keep touching the towel. You know, it's just, yeah, you know, yeah. it's just nerves, you know, it's just anxious nerves that are hard to, hard to deal with in a game. That's so quiet. Uh, Christian Bazay now, uh, gotta be one of the better backdoor solo. Twos money, of money, all money, time. money, <laughs> money, <laughs> give, give me the big oversized check, please. I will take that with me. This is a full winner share. Is, is that correct? Yeah, dude. He's how about that? <laughs> I mean, I'd hang it in the rafters, man. Like if, <laughs> if I'm seeing that, I was like, I, I'm saying an AMX champion who cares about the amateur. Uh, I mean, it's just like, uh, just, just wild. I mean, good for him. But what a putt on 18 to make it Huge. like that much more dramatic for us as a viewer as well. 
I still can't believe the whole how that whole thing played out. Like I don't know where the scoreboard was positioned on eighteen and how you know, it's just up on eighteen. There's there's a there's a scoreboard on seventeen off the green, but at that point Seabez hadn't made the putt on eighteen. So when they're walking underneath the tunnel to the oh. tee box, they're not gonna see any any um any leaderboard on eighteen T. So you're basically blind until you get up to the green. Yeah. That's and they weren't wild. focusing on them either. Right, there right, there right, was yeah. nobody that yeah. from any group up in front besides Kevin, you for like a split second right, right. was of any interest to any of the guys in that group because they're, they're thinking to themselves, like, I just got to beat this guy or I got to beat this guy. Like whoever gets hot. I, I can't even imagine. I mean, look, it, it, these are all incredible players, but just, I think the tour is breathing a big sigh of relief that this was this, this was the outcome this week and, and not so could you, several could you other imagine, ones. <laughs> can you imagine if, if, if uh, Dunlap misses that putt and they go in a playoff and, and Seabez wins in a playoff and then we lose Nick Dunlap to live? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, not only can I not imagine that, I don't want to imagine that. So uh, I'm just, we I, almost <laughs> lived in a world where that was a possibility. Just so you know. That would have been it would have been truly wild. But hey, congrats to Christian. Uh yeah. That that's a nice chunk of change and uh good on you. Just a few more uh items on the AMX before we move on to uh the Hero Dubai Desert Classic. But uh first for our our YouTube viewers, we had a, a little bit of a change of venue for Smiley. Shout out to uh Spectrum Internet in, in Alabama. Uh Smiley is now at Lucky's house. Do I have this correct? Yeah, I'm at my bro's house. So uh, shout out to uh, shout out to Locke for pulling it off. And of course, like Spectrum said, like, oh, your outage and it's going to be out till 1030 p.m. And it's 912 now. And I got a text four minutes mm. ago that said, oh, everything's corrected. So all all is well. And, but at Sick. that point, one wait until 1030. I mean, I'm a dad of one. I can't wait till 1030 to do anything besides see the back of my eyelids. Yes, uh, it is approaching 1030 here uh, in North Carolina. And I am, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, listen, it's going to be one of those nights. I hope my son doesn't wake up at 430 a.m. like he has the last. Uh, yeah, we've, been, days, so. we've had that the last couple of days, too. Some must be, be in the water right now. Yeah, hopefully the same thing that is in the Nick Dunlap and Gordon Sargent water. Yeah, uh, it's going to make it exceptional. It's a yeah. Birmingham. Uh, can I just quickly aside before we get back on track? Uh, is that is that tiger behind you? Is that meant to be like an LSU tiger? Yeah, this or is that was, just a tiger. This was like in my dad's den. Um, wow. Growing up as a kid, it was just like a yeah. You're in the tiger den. Um, is that like Mike the tiger, or is it just a tiger that is? It says, that, it says Royal Bengal. Um, so it's, wow. it's it's a Bengal tiger of some sort, which is you know from the lsu descent <laughs> i like it I, you're, if, if i recall this correctly some of your other podcasts you've done at your parents place they have an lsu backdrop as well so it's really yeah the Cobham family's on brand across the board yeah. uh I, here's what i'll say uh, i will actually thank spectrum for helping produce this show because Wait. in our internet enforced delay something wild came to your attention you texted mm -hmm. it over my way there is a guy on Twitter slash X. He goes by Nosferatu. His handle is at VC606. He's some something of a OWGR guru. And he tweeted that I can't this this that doesn't even make sense to me. Nick Dunlap with this win jumps 4,061 places in the world rankings to 68 in the world. I don't it's even so I don't know bad, if that's like dude. a, a, I mean, that's like a make, divisor thing or if that's the new OWR system. How? Dude, this it's so bad, man. It's <laughs> the OWGR is so bad. I when I when I I mean, listen, what would you have set the over under on 
on like where he would have finished at the OWGR, like what you would have thought, like where I would start, you set it? I started as I was having the, the, the thought in my head of, you know, like, you know, not knowing what events he gets into where I was, I was thinking maybe he's like inside 300. That's where, that's where I went first. Like, yeah. like somewhere in the, in the two hundreds is where I thought he would end up. I said like, I was thinking 150 just cause the field's yeah. really good. And I yeah. thought, you know, just a ton of points being available. Maybe he gets into the hundreds to <laughs> 68. It's like, it makes the decision even easier, you know, because now he's knocking on the doorsteps of the open championship with one other, one other good week. <laughs> It's it's it is wild. And, and I do wonder, you know, without knowing the minutia of the OWGR, like all the adjustments they made. But I know one of their stated goals as part of these changes was to is basically the Ludwig Gobert rule. It's like, how do we reward rising stars faster, you know, in a, in a newly reformatted system? And, Dude, and but all, this feels, like, oh, this feels like a big reward. What? They've always rewarded it. Like any person that has a low divisor, they're already at an advantage in that right. system. And that's how I rose so quickly in the world ranking stuff too. It was, it was easy. It was, you know, you just put, you finished off 25 and you just moved up, you moved up, you moved up. And I got up to in the top 50 in the world. It was because my divisor's low. And then I started figuring out, all right, the guys with high divisors, you got to play, you got to play so much better. Right. Well, here's something as we kind of move into, you know, we're about to move into the DP World Tour and Rory's win. But something I was looking at there that I thought was really interesting, um, and and my math is very rough, and and this this OWGR guru is not tweeted about it, so I don't have anything concrete yet. But we heard in the week leading up to this event, Joaquin Neiman saying, I'm going to try to play some events. I'm trying to get in top 50 so I can get into some majors, get in the Masters, um, and starting with this event. And so he finished T4 at the hero Dubai desert classic, which got him uh 7.33 points this week. And by my rough math, that should get him maybe in the 62, 63 ish range. Yeah. That's what I read. Yeah. So how about, how about that? <laughs> Neiman, it doesn't make all, any sense. Dude. With all he's yeah. in his career, he goes, he plays to, and he's 62 or 63. And Nick Dunlap shows up week one is 68. We got to love it. I yeah, mean, I listen, we, <laughs> I feel like we've kind of made our stance. Like we, we believe that the product on the PGA tour is, is better. Like I don't necessarily love watching the live golf concept. Now, like I can understand that people like it. Great. Um, it's not for me. Um, I like watching the PGA tour, but I feel like we've been pretty set in stone on this the entire time. We really haven't wavered as far as this world golf ranking stuff is and how ridiculous the whole deal is now. We will say this as well, that we knew that if you were a live golf player and you went over there, you knew the risk you were taking. And but and I think that's the big thing from most golf fans right now. That's like, all right, you you took your money, you took it. And listen, now you can't try to bend the rules of of the live golf um, competitive format to try to now like if you're not going to change anything and it doesn't comply at all. Listen, it's it just it is what it is. But it's gotten to the point now this I just hate the OWGR a lot. Like there's got to be a a better way to do this. I'm a hundred percent with you. I think it's like, you know, look, you gotta be, obviously you gotta be realistic about each side of this. Like in the same way that the PIF and live, uh, went out and got John Rom, got other players, but most recently John Rom with everything we saw in full post June six, they did that largely as a piece of leverage, right? Well, what leverage do 
all the people who govern these majors in the PGA Tour have via their seats on the OWGR board. They can try to kind of work it to keep the live players out of the events they don't want them to, to play in. Now, so so that so do I understand the moves on each side trying to kind of game this out so their side wins? Yes, I understand it. Does that make it any less sucky? As a fan of golf, no, it does not. It's it's terrible. It sucks. It's it's you know it, it doesn't doesn't make any sense that a guy like you know Joaquin Neiman, who okay, look, you know I I don't really know how to quantify the way he's you know played since he's gone live tour, and I have to go back and look at his major results. But like this guy that won the Genesis Invitational against a really really strong field and probably deserves to be in all the majors for the foreseeable future, unless his form completely drops off a cliff. So the fact that he is, you know, effectively in the same grouping as Nick Dunlap, who just won his first tour event. That's he had made know, a cut on the tour. Nick it, hasn't. Well, that, I mean, we just, we went to just praising Nick Dunlap, which obviously like is what we should be doing. Like, of course. Of, of like course. this has never happened, but we can also say the golf system of ranking players is completely erroneous. It, it's <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. This is not taking anything away from what Nick Dunlap, because, because the, the reason why we're here saying it's ridiculous is, is because what he did where he yeah. showed up week one to one, but it, it's just, it's a little, it's a little wild to me that that's where he lands in this whole thing. And, and you know, we're only talking I, about I, 10 players, you know, like we're yeah. just talking about like 10, 10 to 15 exactly. players that we just, exactly. it, Neiman, like I want to see him playing in the majors. You know, I, I want to see if Taylor Gooch playing in the majors, if he's going to play at the same level he's been playing, but listen, we can't, we can't just continue to try to bend the rules as we go with this. But now they're just doing weird things too, like the, the bonus thing with, with winning, like with Chris Kirk yeah. getting a bonus win, like to his points added on. I, I don't, I think all that's stupid. Cause like, I don't think any event should be worth more besides the point with the field. You know, I think it's whatever the field strength is, but why should you get a, a compounding bonus just because you won that year? I, I just, I think it's just the dumbest thing ever. It, it it does beg the question. I forget, you know, where I heard this discussion had at length um, in the last few years, but it's like, why do we need rankings in a sport where like, you know, you get ranked through the trophies you win and, and, and the money you earn. It's like, that's kind of it. I don't need something else to tell me, you know, that I like, you know, to kind of laugh, like at like the concept of like the SBs, like what was like the best, you know, team yeah. in all sports. Like, dude, it doesn't, doesn't matter. I like, I have a trophy in my sort of league that that's, that's a tangent in, in, in a way, but I, I just think it's, it's like, it's almost like we need to get back to a place where, you know, a lot of these things are done, you know, separate from world rankings. Wait, what does you know, it take, or, right? Like, does it take like a, an Augusta saying, hey, we'll, we will give exactly. five sponsors invites to live golf tour at this. It, it's gotten to a point now where you have to legitimize yeah. the players over there to where I know if the right now, the players that we're talking about are exempt. So maybe if it's an extra five players that they can say, hey, we will give five sponsors invites up to this, you know, like that would right. at least at least kind of, you know, somewhat middle or muddy. I don't know what the word is to use here to about just the, how messed up the live or the OWGR is. Right. Yeah, it, 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 and that and that's you know it would be subjective, but almost it would be somebody at one of those governing bodies just self-correcting for, you know, the issue that this is this is brought up. So I, not not one that we're going to solve today, but it is that that we both saw that and like laughed out loud of like this is Nick Dunlap did what you know against yeah. against what it's unreal, so, dude. 
it's wild. Uh, and then a quick one kind of in, in the, the rankings department, uh, your updated Aeon Swing 5 standings through the American Express. Grayson Murray still sits at the top. Uh, second is Christian Bezadenhout, uh, courtesy of his, his non-win so, win hold this on, week. The swing, yeah. the swing 5. Yeah. And I asked this question to the PGA Tour. And if you win an event, you immediately go into that tournament winners category, which I would have thought would trump the swing five thing. But does that go into effect after that swing? That is a lower category than the swing five and next 10 are. And this could set up a whole other debate if you'd like to go down this road. That's going to fill out the fields is what it's going to do. I could as the way the way I read this is you've almost reverse engineered it to make it so that it is effectively your last two, three, four tournament winners. And then like one extra guy who did the best in all those tournaments, you know, like you're protecting those fields from getting too large because so let's, let's look at this list right now. Grayson Murray one, you could end up adding two, eight eight people is what you're saying. Justin Thomas, three, Kevin, you four, Carl, you on five, right? So Murray's a winner. We're, we're for the sake of this discussion, Bazaden Howe is a winner, right? Because you know, in the absence of Nick Dunlap, like Nick Dunlap would have been there if he was a tour pro, right? Is, is so, swing is swing five a higher category than OWGR top thirty two? That I do not know because, like Justin but, being third right now, I, I think so. Like I, I think in order of categories, I think it goes top fifty, <sighs> next next ten, swing five. And then just and then it basically you clean up anyone you've left out through currencies of tournament winners. They show this graphic on the broadcast saves currencies of tournament winners, OWGR top 30 and then sponsor exemptions. So so I, I think that, you know, I what this is player. Well, yeah, I mean, because I think as from a player's perspective, it's like you want to get into these things. And if you're yes. you're like, hey, those guys are in. I should be bumped up. And, yes. and they're telling you that's not the case. That kind of stinks. Now, I think on their side, they're saying, well, we're trying to keep the field small. That's the whole point, dude. We're trying we're trying to limit the amount of money we pay the top players. But they, they sort of reverse engineered a winner's category because, you know, let's say, you know, someone else goes out and wins this next week at Farmers and then they'll probably jump up to one, two or three on this list. And so then you'll basically have three tournament winners and two extra guys to get into the to the, you know, AT&T and then post AT&T, it's going to be. You know, it, like the Genesis category is going to be those three it's winners. Just, plus, it's just you know, Phoenix. Just Phoenix. Just and, Phoenix. Yeah. That's it. It's just Phoenix. Yeah. So it's going to be four. You know, and now a couple things could happen. Guys that are already in the top 50 could win. And then they don't they don't qualify for this category because they're already in via top 50. That's a higher category. So then that still leaves these spots available for guys who aren't already in the top 50. So that that's something that we haven't accounted for. We haven't seen happen yet. But it it, it is sort of. It, that was a the, the rankings that got dropped post Grayson Murray's win had a lot of people scratching their head on how is that so because he's a tournament winner and then there is the big clarification and that's kind of where we ended up so yeah I think the points you're making are fair it's like don't know if I'd love that as a player and you know uh, like the last event for the signature events this year is the Travelers so like if yes. you win an event after the Travelers no signature events yes and and that. Honestly, so really, that, that's like this, you know, anything you win in the summer, you're not in because you won't get into. Yeah, you don't get any signature events. And you're not guaranteed to get any, any signature events the following year. But most time, if you win, you'll end up being top 50. So that, yeah, that's kind of works itself you, out. You would get into the signature event that you would get into. Right. Would be the century. 
from winning the previous year. And that's yes. kind of a, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, you would think that if you're winning that late in the year, you know, depending on how the rest you play the rest of the year, you'd be getting in the you've top seen 50. Some, you've seen you some know. just randos, like, let's say like Camilo, you know, he was like outside the 200, you know, I don't know what that jumped him to after winning, but. Oh, so I thought you were saying like a, like a, like a summer win post yeah, summer travelers, win. Like, win. like, like, like Lee, cause did Camilo didn't win the summer. Camilo won the fall. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I don't know why I was thinking I, he won at the window. I'm thinking like a, I'm thinking like a Lee <laughs> That's what Hodges. I was thinking in my head. Yeah. 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 I'm thinking like a Lee Hodges who, where did Lee finish? Lee finished top 50, right? Yeah. He I'm was, pr- he yeah. was like between 30 and 40. Yeah. So, so like that, that to me is like where that type of guy ends up. If you're winning that late in the season, you're probably making, you know, the, the, the playoff events, you get One a good shot at making it in. One would think. One would so, think. I okay. guess we'll see well, how we've, out, we've we've gone down the World Rock Golf <laughs> ranking. We've gone down the dumb PGA Tour swing five next ten that we're all trying to figure out how it works and and the the categories that ensue. So, can we please stop talking about this? Can we go to yeah, some next? I, 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 I was gonna say I actually give us a lot of credit for like only slightly going down there. the rabbit hole. We yeah, we, 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 we went like there. a little bit down the rabbit hole. And we're like not today. I got, I got a little angry about the world ranking. <laughs> not that Nick was sixty eight. Just just about the whole system. In it's general. the whole system is yeah. So it, yes, it, I guess it, about Nick yeah. being sixty eight does <laughs> kind of like to grind my gears about Nick. Like happy for him. Like yes, but now well, the, let's. Yeah. Let's talk more golf. Let's talk more golf. Let's talk about one man in particular, because we talked last week about how we talked a lot last week about rust, whether one wants to knock it all off at one time or retain a little bit of extra rust. We felt like Rory by virtue of his T2, you know, last week uh, had maybe talked about knocking off the rust, but maybe had not knocked off all of the rust uh, after losing the tournament uh, with the bogey on the last hole. I think it's safe to say this week that the rust is, is off. The rust has been knocked off. He uh, shot a, a a final round 70. He went 71, 70, 63, 70 uh, to finish at 14 under to win the Hero Dubai Desert Classic. Uh, I'd say pretty good start for a guy who said his, his game wasn't all the way in shape to, to go uh, second and first in his first two starts back. And, um, you know, a strong field, you know, Cam Young was right there till shooting 74 on Sunday. And then you had, you know, Joaquin Neiman fourth and, you know, Nikolai Hoygaard, Adrian Moronk finished second, you know, Adam Scott was in this field. So for me, I feel like, you know, now that Rory does not have policy board considerations and really been clear about how he wants to kind of focus on golf, his own business ventures and his family this year. I think we're starting to, to see the makings of, of a really, really big year, maybe a major winning year for Rory. And I wonder, you know, if this, you know, if you're like, hey, this is still silly season, DP World Tour, I need to see him play against the PGA Tour field yet. Or if it's like, oh, okay, this is this is looking like something could happen for him this year. I mean, yeah, dude, he's, <laughs> he's going to rule that out because we've seen Rory play just, I mean, I go back to the Ryder Cup. What I watched him on singles on Sunday going against Sam Burns, I think he was like nine under and Sam was like eight. I felt so bad for Sam because he lost in 17 and <laughs> he played so yeah. good. And, you know, records are so all over the place in that because you could play bad and win a match. Or you could play really well and, and lose a match. And, um, you know, Rory, what I saw from him, at the Ryder Cup and really all the majors too, man. Like he played so well at all of them, except he, I think I could have beaten him at Augusta. I don't know what happened. <laughs> and, yeah. But the other ones, man, he's, he put himself in position. He's right there. And kind of like what you just said with his scores this week. I mean, he shot three rounds at 70, but he had that one round that was a 63. 
And maybe it's just that one round where everything goes right is what he needs in a major championship because there's there's a formula to winning. And we kind of already briefed on it a little bit with Rory, knowing what a good score is, not only that day, but what it's going to finish at for the week. So he already has that intrinsic knowledge to him with being a pro for so long and also just having very good golf smarts to him. But also it, it takes that hot round and it also takes a little bit of luck. And uh, I'll say this all the time. There's a there's a formula. I'm still like kind of plugging away, trying to figure out what is the formula to winning. But it's some type of formula like that that has luck, opportunity, talent, just golf smarts, all of it just puddled into one big pot. And I think Rory's just missing like just a teaspoon of an ingredient of a couple things for him to win a major. And that's all he needs because he's doing so many, so many things right in his golf game. Well, it's interesting that you say you use the verbiage like formula, like just a formula for winning for anyone. Yeah. Cause I think, I think a lot about like the formula specifically for, for Rory, uh, because it, it's, it was almost like a running joke for a while of, you know, he has all these these amazing Sunday rounds where he's out, it looks like he's out of contention coming in the day. Xander, back too. Door is a top, Xander yeah. is the best at it. <laughs> back door is a top 10, back door is a top five or a top three. And so it's like, OK, well, maybe the formula isn't, you know, play so so to not great the first three days and then just try to make a charge out on the last day. But then you look back this last summer to the U.S. Open and he, you know, starts the day a shot off, you know, Wyndham Clark, you know, the eventual winner. And they both shoot 70 and you lose the tournament by a shot. And it's like, I just don't know what, like, would it be better for him mentally to be in the driver's seat? Does that change on a tournament to tournament basis? Like, what would it like, what would it be like for Rory after not having won at Augusta sleeping on a one or two shot lead on Saturday night? Like, I, you know, I don't know. I, it's kind of uncharted territory. I don't know what that would do for him, but he's a front I, runner, it, dude. He's a front runner. Think about the majors that he's won. There was like no doubt. You know, besides yeah. the one at besides the one at Valhalla, and, but really it was, you know, he he was the guy leading it the whole way. I mean, I think about that. I think about the the uh, the PGA. Was it at Kiwa? Is that where he won? Um, yeah. PGA there. Mm-hmm. Then he uh-huh. won a U.S. Open at con- uh, Congressional. That was going away. The Open yes. Championship that he won was going away. So, to answer your question, yeah, he he needs to be a front runner because um, can he come from behind and win? Absolutely. But guys like him are are when they get the lead, they just know how to, they know how to put it away. Like Tiger was so good at doing it. We watched it growing up as kids, right? Yeah. I, I just wonder, I wonder how much it feels like a different Rory. Like it's like the last major he won was 2014. It's like, I have, I completely agree with what you're saying in terms of like what his formula was back then. I just wonder if that's changed. If, if there is, you know, any scar tissue there from all the near misses over the years that kind of changes the composition of the way he's going to win one of these things. I don't know. I, I could be way off. It's just, he's, it's just, he's hung I spend around. a lot of time thinking about it. Yeah. He's hung around. And I, I think to win a, a major, what do you have to do? You got to give yourself you a, a chance on the back nine. And he yeah. continues to give himself an opportunity on the back nine, whether it's a shot away, two shots away, three shots away, tied for the lead. And, you know, just hasn't had, you know, just the break go his way, you know? Well, what we do know is is the rust is knocked off. We're gonna see how much of the rust is knocked off my game in a couple of weeks, dude. I'm, I've gone like from a How's such your- a good place, like leaving Kapalua, which is the last time I've hit a golf ball, and kind of have gone like it's been a roller coaster ride of like 
one night I'll just start thinking about like, what are we working on? Are we hitting it right still? And then I'll be like, no, we weren't hitting it right. We're back. And then it's just, and then I start thinking about chipping. It's like, how do you chip it up in the air? Yes. <laughs> like, what, 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 <laughs> what's the, got- what's the farmer's commercial with Ricky? <laughs> um, oh God. No, maybe it's, uh, he's trying to explain like, I don't know what a 401, not a 401k. It's a, that's, um, man, the, for the first time, I have no idea what commercial. You're oh man. It's, I I, I sh- if I'm going to quote something from a movie or a commercial, I really need to be able to deliver on that. That's pretty, that's pretty not tight. By that, a, a key part of telling a story is, is being God. able to tell the story. Um, but I'm sure it was good. Oh my gosh. I'm sure it was it's right one. there on the tip of the tongue. Um, Okay, I got to I got to Google this because it's going to drive me nuts. Keep going. Uh, well, I I'd say it it what you're saying there does uh humor me slightly make me feel a little bit less bad because I feel like I was especially post surgery was like I had all these things that I felt like I was collecting from <laughs> all the interviews we've done like Victor Hovland's chipping tips and Max Homa had a slight modification. I was like working all this stuff and then like I got out there and I was like, "Wait, like I have no clue which one of these things I'm supposed to be thinking about. Like I I went from being more confident in my chipping than I ever have in my entire life prior to surgery to I stand (laughs) over the ball sometimes. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. Like, I don't even know what to do to start the takeaway. Like I've got no clue. So look forward to seeing that in person, but the the putting's good. And and I started keeping a running journal on my phone of like just basic swing thoughts. Like if it all gets off the rails, like I have this balls fails, but it's uh, it it could, it could be interesting. We'll say, we'll see. It could be some rust there. I'm just pre-qualifying the level of rust. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's all good. (laughs) Did you track this uh, down? This commercial? No, I, I I don't even know what to type in. I just typed in. (laughs) I'll tell you what I typed in so bad. (laughs) Typed in. um, Let's see. I don't even know what a blank is Ricky Fowler commercial. Nothing, nothing came up that was even close to be honest. Sometimes like those are actually some of my favorite Google searches is like just a completely shot in the dark and or like a like song, you know, eight, like, eight or eight or nine boop, boop, and you yeah. have to like type that out <laughs> because like you miss eight or nine times out of 10. But when you hit, you're like amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. Uh, you know what? On the way out, I actually do. I do want to have one addition to the show that might spark future additions um so we so this is from mary beth bruno on instagram at girl golfer 58 and she submitted what i think is our first ever listener question uh a couple weeks ago and i feel bad that we have not gotten to this until now and so we can either answer this on this show or we can tease it bring some experts on do it in the future but she said hi i don't know if y'all take listener questions or not but i would love it if you could explain aim point how it works how you get the numbers and that kind of thing do, do we want to explain aim point to Mary Beth now, or do we want to collect some info from the experts and get back to her? Cause no, I don't I, know that I can explain it to her. All I, right, can get, I can give her a spark go. notes version. Love this. Uh, so what most players do, they, they start, they look, there's just like a calibration thing that goes on with like the speed of the greens that that's how you adjust how far away your arm is for where you hold your fingers out in front of you. So 
if the speed of the green is 11, this is where you're calibrated at. Like there's a certain bend to your elbow with like where, you know, the speed, like your fingers mm. either come closer to you or they go further away from you based on the speed of the green. So that's like the first thing, which is a calibration thing that I have no clue. But then the pros, how they do it, as you've seen, they stand, you know, most of the time, like at the ball halfway and, and then it, even Keegan Bradley on a two footer, he'll stand on top of the hole. <laughs> so there's a, there's a, um, a way to basically kind of feel with your feet, what the level of the slope is. And then there's a calibration factor versus like, all right, we're going to say it's a 1.4 slope in your head and you can go do one and a half or do two fingers and you just do 1.4 of the two fingers here. And then that's where you, um, basically start your butt you just line your ball up there and you put it so that's kind of the the basic of it um love uh, that so yeah i don't know if that makes sense or not but yeah well you know mary beth hope you're listening if that made sense great if not you know follow up and we can get it on future uh podcast episodes and i'd say in general listeners you can follow us uh at the smiley show on instagram on x on tiktok and if you just want to just drop us a DM, you have any lister questions, maybe we'll take more of those in the future. Mm-hmm. I like that one. And hey, uh, one other thing, um, we're going to get a Facebook as well um, for ah, the show yes. account. And somebody told me this recently that has Facebook that because like Facebook and Instagram are like connected. You yes. can like when you post to Instagram, you can just post to Facebook too. Like yes. it's actually a lot simpler. Like you don't have to log into Facebook to post. So I was going to let people know if you're a Facebooker, we're coming your way and hot <laughs> I, I feel a little bit bad i feel like i've been shirking my duties here because you've suggested the facebook thing um a number of times and <laughs> i just I'm, i just told you how simple <laughs> it was <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying with all my might to not ever go back to facebook again uh but it but here it is we just announced it we're going back on facebook we made a statement of intent and uh yes <laughs> We'll see you there. And listen, no disrespect to you if you like to use Facebook. We want to get in touch with our audience, wherever yeah. our audience is. I mean, you think you think Smiley and I enjoy using TikTok? I don't even know how the thing works. I don't know, dude. You can't miss on TikTok right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> TikTok is TikTok business is booming over on the TikTok lane. So actually, uh, yeah. just anytime we post a JT scorecard video, it just blows up. <laughs> it's, I think that's I think it's less my TikTok prowess and more of just that formula. People uh, love the scorecard story. And so good. when he told it, I didn't really think of anything of it. I was like, oh, it's just a normal day in the office. Like for you've seen that knowing Jordan and, and knowing. Times. Yeah, it's just I didn't realize everybody else has a scorecard guy. Well, I, I'm glad you actually mentioned that because there's one more social thing that we do want to mention, which is go subscribe to us uh, at The Smiley Show on YouTube because we are re-releasing a bunch of our original interviews we did prior to us having a YouTube page. So what we're referencing here is the Justin Thomas, uh, that full length interview went live. That's something we just had as a podcast prior to this. And we dropped, um, some, some video of that on our social, but we're going to put that out. You know, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, Steph Curry. There are a whole bunch of really, really cool interviews we did pre YouTube that I think will come even more to life when you can see smiley and the guests kind of interacting. So, uh, go subscribe there and look out for those in the future. Um, and yeah, and we got a, We got another. We got a guest coming up this week that we're excited about. Trevor Emmelman. Uh, I think that's going to be a really cool one to hear. You know, two guys that are, you know, former tour pros, now broadcasters, kind of chopping up, talking about the current state of golf. What are you most looking forward to talking to Trevor about this week? Yeah, I think just you know we have had 
such a short uh, little sample size of what 2024 looks like. And so far it's been a, a pretty mixed bag, you know, with Chris Kirk winning, mm-hmm. Grayson Murray uh, winning for the second time on the PGA Tour, coming off the Corn Ferry as a graduate and then Nick Dunlap, you know, doing what no person has done. And since Phil Mickelson winning as an amateur on the PGA Tour. And last year it was like a bit of the opposite. We just had like John Rahm winning. We had like all these stars uh, winning and in, in the build up to the masters. So I think with Trevor, what I'd, I'd like to ask him is, you know, where do you see this thing kind of like buoying out? If you know what I mean, where does this mm-hmm. thing kind of settle in? Who are the players that you think are more in form that are going to be making a run and just starting to peak their games towards Augusta? And I'm sure we're going to talk a, a bit about, you know, Scotty Scheffler, Justin Thomas, who is obviously playing well, coming off four top fives and, um, yeah, just, I, I think get his perspective just on the majors and, um, obviously he, he, him and I, it's funny, him and I, when we start talking about our golf games, it, it, it couldn't be more pessimistic. Like there's no optimism, <laughs> like when we, like, especially like there's times where I like, I have more optimism about my golf game than, than, than you can ever imagine. But like Trevor's always like, ah, it's absolutely terrible. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> so I, it, it's going to be funny to hear where the state of his golf game is. Cause I can't wait. Um, can't wait to ask about it. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, so yeah, so you have that to look forward to this week and, you know, perhaps another, uh, YouTube clip from the, or YouTube uh, episode from the vault going up this week. And then we have, uh, the farmers starting on Wednesday this week an early start to finish on Saturday. Yeah. So we'll get this out early, stuff. huh? Yeah. We're going to get it I, out. When do you want to get this thing out? I love that we're well, just workshopping this I know, uh, I know. On, <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, does it feel like a Tuesday drop? Maybe for I Trevor? won't do it. For Trevor? Yeah. Maybe. All right. I don't know. We'll see you back here on Tuesday then. Trevor it starts away. Wednesday, right? It starts Wednesday. You want to get it out before the tournament? We could yeah. also drop it Wednesday. Oh, yeah. We could just drop it Wednesday. Maybe drop it. Maybe just drop it Wednesday. Yeah. We're, we're going to have an episode out on Wednesday, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for joining our production meeting. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we will see you on Wednesday. The Smiley Show is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast.